0: We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. If you feel you need time away from your life to learn how to solve your substance use problem for good without distractions, 12-step meetings, or other counterproductive processes, then the St. Jude Retreat with its Freedom Model program are for you. From the moment you arrive, you'll know that this place is special, effective, and different. We won't bring you to AA meetings. We won't take away your cell phone or tablet. And yes, you can have contact with your family and friends at any time. We don't treat our guests like children or criminals like rehabs do. You'll be surrounded by open fields with mountain views. The retreat is set up to help you to relax, reset, and learn how you can solve your addiction and move on with your life. You'll be learning the world-renowned Freedom Model program directly with co-developers Mark Sheeran and Michelle Dunbar in private one-on-one sessions. You'll also have your own room with no roommates. There's no need to be uncomfortable while getting through such a vulnerable time in addition to having your private bedroom and meals prepared by our executive chef there's high-speed internet access so you can keep in touch with work obligations if needed when not in class you can enjoy one of the many amenities available including on-site swimming pool dry sauna and a pond for fishing there's also walking trails or you can take a trip to the gym we welcome guests from all over the world who are seeking to escape the addiction and recovery trap once and for all call 888-424-2626 to reserve your room today hi everyone hi everybody welcome to the addiction solution podcast brought to you by who
1: the freedom model <laughs> we wish i should have you- had the book and been like <laughs>
0: So today we are going to talk about the idea and where it came from that addiction is a
1: spiritual problem that needs a spiritual solution. Yeah. And we're not going to make light of this because it's not the sort of topic that um, requires humor, I guess. You know, I mean, um, people take this very serious because people's beliefs, whether they're religious or based on spirituality, are extremely personal. And if there's, there's probably only two topics that I know of that really gets people fired up. One is medications, mm. you know, and um, people's personal use of medications. You'll watch the internet, you know, light on fire if somebody says you should stop taking your antidepressants or whatever. Um, and that's why the Freedom Model doesn't have any opinion on medical matters like that. Nope. We let hospitals and psychiatrists deal with, that's their belly wick. We have our opinions personally, but I'm not going to go
0: they're irrelevant yeah. to the the substance use issue
1: exactly so um and spirituality and whether you need god to get sober and or a spiritual solution or religion um I'm going to get up and turn the ac off because i'm afraid it's going to drown us out i
0: know it does seem loud yeah you
1: might not be able to hear it i think we've tested this but i just want to make sure but go ahead Michelle. so
0: so where did this it, it, it's so interesting to me i can remember uh, being in college and studying, you know, I, I, was a behavioral science major psychology and, and I knew a lot about AA cause I grew up there. And I was, it was, I was amazed that the medical and mental health community had embraced the 12 step program because to me, it was incredibly religious Um, and you know, the, the whole solution in the steps is about finding God and, you know, confessing of your sins. And, and I mean, it, you know, the, everybody's like, it wasn't, it's not a religious program, but it's a spiritual program, but it is religion. It was, you know, Mark's going to explain where all of this came from. And so, so really what we were talking about in, in our, behavioral health addiction studies treatment classes is faith healing.
1: Yeah, so let's let's give the, this podcast a little context on where this came from. Most people don't know that the basis of modern treatment is alcoholics anonymous, which is the first 12-step program. And the the originator of the 12 steps is Bill Wilson. There were two co-founders. There was Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, but Bill Wilson is really the architect. He wrote the twelve steps without Dr. Bob really being involved, and he was in Manhattan at the time when he wrote them in 1939. And uh, Bill apparently had a very large—he uh, calls it the white light experience, uh, a spiritual experience, a God uh connection experience that struck him sober in 1935. And I I yeah I look at it. I mean look at I, I, I don't
0: I, doubt that it happened to him.
1: I, I take the I take the man for his word. Um I think that he was now here's why this happened though. So Bill was a failed stockbroker, womanizer, train wreck, daily drinker, hardcore withdrawal, the works. And in the last year of his horrendous drinking, um, he was going into these uh, homeless shelters down in Manhattan where the Oxford Group had meetings. And the Oxford, Oxford Group was a first century Christian, basically born again Christian organization. The modern day born again Christians have their roots with the Oxford Group and several other, you know, tent revival style churches in the 30s, 20s, 30s and 40s. So he was involved in this. He got involved more and more and, and he was being pushed to take Christ as his Lord and savior and his moral failings needed to be confessed at group level. He had to get up on his knees in front of this church at one of the homeless shelters and the chaplain was working with him. And so, so there's all these things happening, coalescing in his life at the time. And he goes into town's hospital and has this, uh, god experiences god came down to him and struck him sober essentially and he describes it as an an unbelievable experience much like a, almost like a near death experience if you know anything about those sorts of things white light you know all your sins are taken away you're a new creature in god kind of thing so it all sounds very flowery and sometimes a bit ridiculous but you know i've known people that have had these massive psychic shifts in life and I I've had a spiritual experience a small little one nothing like what Bill had but I've had a couple through my life and I'm a believer in God but I don't you know I, I'm not really religious whatever. So I get it. Here's the problem. He writes the 12 steps 4 years later when he's still broke really desperately trying to build some confidence in his life he was in a deep 4-year depression. He was penniless. He had holes in his shoes. And he was building this thing called AA, and it was a dismal, utter failure. But Bill was desperately trying to recreate the spiritual experience in other people. He thought that that was a requirement, that there was some sort of ego deflation at depth that needed to take place in a formulaic sort of way that there was some formula that forced him to come to grips with God and have this experience where God descended upon him and took it away. So he was his entire life from then till 1971 was a mission to create a psychic religious experience in people. And he wrote the 12 steps that way. That's what the 12 steps are about is how do I make it so that people can come to grips with what I did. Now, in Bill's case, because he was such an egomaniac and such a nightmarishly insecure guy, he felt like the only way that he was able to connect with God was by having himself utterly decimated. So in very cult-like fashion, you can see that slowly Bill Wilson believed that everybody that came to AA had to have that same experience of ego deflation at depth. And if they weren't going to come to grips with it, we were going to make them have it. So then he created the sponsorship programs to basically deflate people into a spiritual experience, which is the opposite, by the way, of a spiritual experience. (laughs) And it couldn't be more cult-like, couldn't be more twisted, couldn't be more selfish and self-centered. So Bill was this conflicted guy who was this selfish cult leader, turned cult leader, based on a God experience at a moment in his life where he was a vulnerable man, but but he was very misguided that you and I and Michelle and everybody with a drinking problem is supposed to have the same psychic shift that Bill Wilson did. And we are now seven generations deep in this folklore. And people say, well, it's not a religious program. It's a spiritual one. That's all, that all comes out of the cult of AA. So, that's, so you understand where all this came from. So you're not just blindly saying, I need God to get sober. You may believe that, but not everybody believes that or needs it. No. Because there are many atheists who get this and many agnostics and many people who have a religious life like myself. But it has nothing to do with whether I'm going to drink or, or not drug. I mean. Okay. So that, that gives the context. So
0: that gives you the context of where this all started. And it and and people bought into it. it it's remarkable to me that so many people bought into it and that this entire treatment system is built on it. Yeah. On what is basically known as faith healing. I want to just qualify something. uh, You know, everybody has their beliefs and we steer clear a lot of times of, of these, well, in the freedom model, there is no spiritual component. And, and there was initially.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We were, well, we came from the AA world yes, and we're, we're both uh, Catholics. So we, we both came up with a concept of God. So it fit very well to us, but it was such a letdown, wasn't it? Because you're constantly trying to do this formula that Bill Wilson yeah, created. And it just, I never found God in AA. Never. I, I just didn't. I just didn't have any, as a matter of fact, I had the opposite effect. Me too. Me too. I, I had like,
0: like my, path, religious path has not been a straight one for sure. And, and as somebody that's a researcher and I need to see a lot of evidence, I am not somebody that faith comes naturally to me. So I've, I've definitely had like periods of time where I had less faith. Okay. Where, where maybe I wasn't sure there was a God at all. Mm -hmm. And, and you see, if your sobriety is dependent on that, that's a problem
1: all right so you're making a great point so so this is once again a learned connection right yeah what chapter is that and i wrote chapter six okay chapter six so chapter six we talk about learned connections where we connect a concept an idea a thing a people a place and i you know to drinking that one causes the other back and forth and um and they're not causal, drinking is just an activity or drugging is just an activity that we might decide to connect to things. And, and Bill Wilson decided to connect your need for a belief in Christ as the answer, as the only answer, by the way, uh, to being a drunkard and getting over it, uh, and drugs, obviously. So that's, that's something that just was made up yeah. Now, it's not the first time that was made up. Bill got the idea from the Oxford group, right? and the Oxford group got it from the Bible, which is a couple of, th- well, 4,000 years old, you know? <laughs> so so I think that that now the Bible doesn't explicitly constantly talk about, you know, you need God to n- not drink. It just says that it's a bad idea throughout Proverbs and stuff to be shit-faced drunk all the time.
0: <laughs> right, to be drunk all the time.
1: <laughs> you know, in, in, in flowery sort of arabic language so you know all of this is just a modified idea of men who had a religious agenda and that was a big part of their life and it got popularized so why is this important to talk about i think it's important to say this because there's a lot of people wouldn't you say that go to aa and they're really turned off to this idea that they need god yeah Yeah. And they're scared because they're like, I'm not a believer. And does that mean I can't get sober?
0: Right. That's the problem. That is that's the main problem with this. Look at I know there are people that follow the freedom model that are very religious people. I I know we we run the gamut, right? Like there's people that are extremely religious and the people that are not religious at all, and all everything in the middle. There's, I mean, you know, the three of us that wrote it have all different beliefs. Right. And, um, so the reason that we, we just tell the truth, okay, anybody can stop drinking and drug using anybody and whether they are religious or not religious. I, as a matter of fact, we've had some, some people that are incredibly religious that have led highly spiritual lives that come in that have a strong preference for intoxication.
1: Yeah, I I personally know four priests who have been to rehab. Yeah. Right? So and it's very common. Um your preference for alcohol has nothing to do with or has nothing to do with your spiritual life unless you make it so.
0: Exactly. Unless you connect it. Right. You've learned that connection.
1: That's right. So I could easily see a priest saying I sinned, therefore I drank, therefore I sinned some more. And you descend into that guilty place and then you go to rehab, right? I could see that happening. But I can also see somebody who's led an incredibly pious life and they just like to drink.
0: Just like drinking.
1: You know, it has nothing to do with their spiritual life. Um, and so they have, to, they have to decide and challenge the perceived benefit of their habit. Right. So here's the, the solution is a universal solution. And people say, oh, oh, so now the freedom model has the it universal. Has the so- only answer. And, and the, <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes. And, Maybe. But, but here's why. Here's <laughs> <It's> why. <laughs> the answer is you and you're an autonomous person. So I'm not saying that everybody's got to do the same thing. You have to come to your own conclusion because that's the only way. The only way is the internal mind of the individual to decide for themselves. There is no other way that you can change something that's internal to you except for your internal dialogue. There's there's no, there's no external thing. Now, I'm not going to say that God isn't going to come down to you because no. I certainly don't know the will of God if there is one. Um, Nor do we know what your relationship with that said God would be. That's right. So, but here's what I know. 91% of drinkers get over the problem, whether they're treated or not whether they believe in God or not, because there are a lot of people in that 91% that don't believe in God, and yet they get over the problem. Right. So you can't just pick and choose and say there's a requirement of a spiritual component, and it's the best way when there are plenty of atheists who simply move past their preference. They change their preference. So now I'm going to say something that's a little bit I'll I'll go to the side of the believer. So did God put inside of us the coding necessary to deliberate? And my answer would be, I think so. I think he gave us free will. I think he gave us an autonomous being. I'm my person. You you can't read my thoughts and I can't read yours. So that makes me autonomous. Um, If if there is a God, he made me with the ability to have uh, my pursuit of happiness. And it can be anything I desire it to be because that's self-evident. So if there is a God in my situation and the freedom model situation, the two can coalesce because I'm not saying there isn't a God. (laughs) I'm saying that if you believe in God, you can believe that he created all those things. If you don't believe in God, you have them anyway.
0: Exactly. However you got them, you got them. You have this ability, this amazing ability to reason and figure things out for yourself. And so uh, the difference between... When, when people say, oh, yeah, so the freedom model has the answer. The difference between AA, an addiction treatment center, um, a religion, because some people, there are religious treatment centers, mm-hmm. different religions that have their prescribed, oh, hold on. <laughs> He's the one that always says, turn off your cell phone. <laughs> And I, I forgot, and I forgot to tell him to do that. And even though I did mine. Okay. So, so regardless of what you do, the freedom model is the only one of these things that says you don't need a you don't need us. You don't need the freedom model to solve your addiction. All we've done is we have put together all of the information and how people solve it on their own.
1: Yeah. Whether they're religious or not, whether they're spiritual or not. So it re- there's no requirements like there are with other programs and there's no one size fits all. There's no series of steps. There's no recipe. There's just information. That's it. So, so you're, you're going to, so the freedom model is the answer because the answer is you is what I'm saying. I was being goofy earlier. The answer is you. The answer is inside of you because you have a mind and you're autonomous and you have free will and you have your pursuit of happiness that's personal to you. You get to write any script you want within your mind, but you also get to challenge the perceived benefits of what you see in your habit and then decide whether you want to uh, change it. And, and, And people do. It's natural to change your preferences throughout your life. It's very unnatural to stick with one preference. Yeah, that would be strange.
0: Well, the other part of this, where the the whole spiritual idea came from, really comes from um, this moralistic view of substance use, right?
1: Yeah, that it's wrong, that it's wrong to use it.
0: Yeah, and and so we kind of strip that away in the freedom model too, because that is very much cultural. Um, it's it's a some families view, you know, drinking is being fine, and some.
1: Families. as the devil. Itself. Yeah,
0: look at it like and there are religions that look at it that way. Yep. Um it is interesting cuz those religions it like in the 30 plus years that we've been doing this with the retreats there are certain religions that we don't see come through the retreats because it is so <laughs> taboo within their religion. I've had
1: I I out of 9000 plus people here I've had three Mormons. Right. I've had no Amish or Puritans none, none. um that's not saying that they don't have a problem, you know, I'm sure some do. We've had
0: but, um, but, but I can probably maybe a dozen Muslims, yeah, maybe a dozen, yeah,
1: yeah. and probably uh,
0: a couple dozen from the Jewish faith, right yeah,
1: I, I would say more like a hundred a hundred yeah. or a hundred or so. There's been a lot more Jews. Because uh, they they like to drink. Actually, they the the, the uh, Hasidic Jews and some of those frown upon it, but it's become more popular in the Jewish faith in the last thirty years for sure. Um, so yeah, I always tell people there aren't too many Mormons in prison. <laughs> <laughs> right, right? But you
0: know, it's very well represented
1: Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> well, the center, of us. well, the center <laughs> of the ceremony is wine. <laughs> You know, and, and monks, the currency throughout middle ages and, and beyond really was booze. Yeah. You know, so we, we've been involved in the booze business since <laughs> uh, it was Christ's first miracle was making really good wine. Not the cheap shit. <laughs> not the
0: cheap shit. <laughs> right. That's right. And, and by the way, that, that is red. The wedding at Cana is like red at everybody's Catholic
1: wedding. Yeah. It was a bread
0: at mine. <laughs> yeah. And even then we were like abstinent.
1: You know, that'd be an interesting uh, project would be what religions push what drugs, you know, the Native Americans, we always hear about peyote. Oh, yeah. You know, and all the different rights. I have to look into that more now, now that we've gotten now that we're broaching. I I know a lot about it, but I don't know enough to to be an expert. I don't think so. uh, So
0: yeah. Now, the part of this I want to talk about is this spiritual idea becoming an obstacle. Um, it can it can really become an obstacle to solving your problem if you believe that you need a spiritual experience, which most people don't have. Um, if you believe that you, uh, you know, you feel shame because you are drinking heavily or you're using certain drugs. That we've taught, we talked about that, and I think a recent podcast how that becomes blocks you from figuring out how much you still really like it yep. because you're so busy heaping shame on yourself and feeling self pitying. Yeah. Um. So so the whole the the whole idea of needing of this being a spiritual problem and needing a spiritual experience to solve it really can hurt people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it blocks you from a very simple process that is really quite natural that you do basically everywhere else in your life and that is when you're confronted with any choice you naturally look for the better alternative between two choices or three choices or four or whatever and but we've we've so gotten lost with the power of alcohol we've so personified mm, it we've made sure. it so such a living breathing viral sort of thing, like it's a disease that we no longer act as if it's a legitimate choice. So therefore we don't analyze it the same way. And therefore you need a supernatural entity to stop it. Do you see the problem? So oh, if you, right. if you personify something into a living, breathing, invisible force, that's why I always call addiction, a nebulous force. It's it's not, of course I'm, ma- I'm making fun of it. Um, but, but we have done that. We've created this nebulous sort of external to us craving force, right? When you do that, there's no human way. And this is what Bill Wilson coined. There's no human intervention that's going to work. There's only Mm. a supernatural intervention that comes in you from outside a sort of spiritual warfare. And then it, it, uh, it, they, they attack each other and you're sort of this person in the middle that just needs to be humble and let it play out. And mm. hopefully you're granted sobriety. That's a really screwed up way of looking at it. I God,
0: it really is because
1: alcohol isn't any of those things. And there is no nebulous force called addiction. There is no ghost like demonic force at play. There's just ethanol and that turns to acetaldehyde inside our bodies um that's it that's all there is there is no force there is no power there is no lack of willpower there is no spiritual battle happening none, none of that there is however a battle if you create one like that yeah so we have created now we we've taken that idea and gone farther into addiction medicine where now we act as if it actually is like a virus that requires a vaccine of Suboxone naltrexone or some other anti addiction uh, protocol. What a
0: strange
1: marriage. Yes. Between
0: medicine and religion. Only
1: here. Do we see it so outrageously. uh, Practiced.
0: Yeah. Where
1: faith healing coupled with pharmacology, which is actually faith healing with active placebos. Um, And all of it is predicated on you believing that one thing is happening and that another works to battle it. Meanwhile, you're this passive person who's a victim of all of it. Yeah. And the reality is you need to step aside out of that system and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm here. Is anybody listening to me? Right. I'm a thinking creature and I'm the one that chooses the alcohol. No, you don't. You see, then right. they go to the biology, and then they go to the the religious side. Is going to say, no, there's a spiritual demonic force at play here, and the doctor is saying, no, you have cravings that are beyond your will. You need Suboxin, and the treatment center is saying, no, you can't stop. It's your sins. It's your it's your traumas. It's all this nebulous stuff that's attached to addiction, and so none of that is true. No, until we make it true. All
0: make believe. That's right, but it becomes
1: true if we believe it.
0: Absolutely, your beliefs become your reality. Now I want you to think about something, and it, for those who can't are listening to us instead of watching, I'm holding up a bottle of water. Okay, um, is this bottle of water evil? Right. Is I mean, if this were a bottle of vodka, would it be more evil? Right. You know, I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about. I, it was remarkable to me. I, as Mark was explaining the personification, I'm literally imagining a dragon, and then you have to summon like the powers of good to defeat the the evil dragon. <laughs> do, do,
1: do you do you know that I, when I was immersed in the cult and we did the old news, we did this newsletter. Oh, that's right. You did a. I did a picture of that with a dragon called alcoholism, and the guy had. I remember and, it. And I'm an artist, so I he had a. He's a really good he had, artist. He had exactly. a shield and it was the big book it's embarrassing to me now but but that's how much i believed this oh my
0: god i wrote i wrote poetry for that oh, yeah, it's so bad i mean i mean it was good poetry but it's at, just
1: so misguided so we're not
0: what listen to me when i say we're not judging anybody who believes this stuff because we did oh deeply we deeply. did believe it we had people do the surrender
1: at oh, one point for in years time. In for the years
0: very beginning i i did a surrender he did a surrender what she's
1: talking about is getting down on your knees in front of a group of people and and giving up
0: giving turning your will and your life over to care of god
1: yeah and and
0: and and even i can remember when i was doing it and i'm like so so i can remember asking i wasn't my sponsor but it was one of the other women in the program like so what does this mean exactly am i supposed to just sit and wait to be here from God, to be told what I'm supposed to do?
1: Well, it's funny you say that because in the early AA days, they would spend uh, each night doing Bible study and waiting for God's guidance. And they they this whole God speaking to them at these Bible training things that they did, um, a lot of the early A's were like, this is fucking nonsense. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and there was, a I huge, don't hear anything. <laughs> there was a huge split. There was a huge split, all right. a rift in early AA between the Catholics who didn't like public confession because yeah, we, we don't, don't like, like the, that you know, and, and so there's all these religious things happening. People don't know this history. I mean, it's, it, it's actually quite fascinating. It's so entirely fucked up. I, <laughs> I, I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, people were dying left and right. There was a guy that shot another guy. Here's a, a quick story just how screwed up things were. Bill wanted AA promoted so badly that at one point he had a radio interview with one of his sober drunks, right? One of his newbies. And so he locks the newbie in a basement, in his basement, so that the guy wouldn't get shit faced. The guy is totally pissed off because he, he kept him locked up all the way until the interview, which was like 24 hours. He was down in this basement locked up, freaking and out. He He's basically
0: kidnapped him. Yeah,
1: basically. He like left- him. And and somehow somehow, and I would love to have been how Bill he was just such the the cult leader and such a great salesman. That guy did the interview, gave a glowing report of Bill and everything. Bill must have paid him off, and then and then, uh, summarily got shit faced, got drunk, was done. Um, Yeah. So I mean, these are the the early antics of this supposedly spiritual movement. You know, this prophet Bill Bill W. That he's literally called a prophet now. It's so wacky.
0: Yeah, people do pilgrimages. Yeah, to his house. Right I, I went there
1: east Dorset, Vermont. Yep. Yeah. yeah. There's a path that goes to his grave, and there's piles of AA coins at his gravesite. It's bizarre. It's only That's what totally two bizarre. hours from here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's only about two hours from here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so look it. You don't. It's there. You know. It's not a spiritual problem. The whole addiction thing. And you don't need a spiritual solution for it now. If you're somebody that has good faith and you want to pray for strength, courage, whatever it is you pray for, and you know, yeah, I I pray, I pray for different I pray, things. I pray every day. I pray every day. Yeah. Um. But praying and waiting to be struck sober, sober, um, you're going to be waiting a long, long time because the answer is you within you.
1: Yeah. You were already given, you were born with the answer. The answer is encoded in you as a human. You're just, you naturally have decision-making ability. So when you decide to buy a new car, you're not going to sit there and wait for guidance for years and years and years on whether to get a blue escort or or a red one, you know, now if you do, that's, that's up to you. You can do that, but most people get it that they can just decide that. Um, So I guess my point is alcohol is no different. It's an object. Please understand it's an object. Now, the reason, let me tell you, and then we'll end with this. People say, well, then why why does it seem so much bigger, like the problem of drinking? Because you have an active placebo. You have an active placebo. And the active part is really important. And that is it does do something to your body. It makes you feel different. That doesn't mean it's alive or personified or against you though, but it makes it believable. Yes. It makes it seem like there might be another entity involved because it makes you feel funny in the head. But that doesn't mean that acetaldehyde, the actual component that goes into your brain is alive and knows your motives and is going to change your life. It doesn't.
0: Or opiates. Right benzos, cocaine, marijuana, marijuana, all of these things act on your body. Okay. They, your mind is still you.
1: That's right. You're, you're, you, you haven't, you haven't changed. You just have a body that is poisoned. Yeah. So it becomes believable is the point. And plus you're seven generations deep, you know, we're talking to this mythology, yeah.
0: you know? So, so that's, Suffice it to say, I hope we haven't offended people um, by talking about this. This is one of the things we, we kind of avoid this subject a lot because everybody has their own very personal beliefs and we don't judge those beliefs at all. And But what we're here to tell you is regardless of your beliefs, spiritual beliefs, you can change your substance use habits. You have the power to do that irrespective of your spiritual beliefs. And
1: and look at if you had a religious experience, a spiritual experience where God did strike you sober, we're not making fun of that either. God, no, You're just one of the lucky ones that had that experience, you know, yeah. Um, for whatever reason that that happened for you to the same degree that for other reasons, some people have bad things happen to them. I mean, it, the life is random. I can't understand any of that, but here's what I know. If you're waiting for that, you don't have to. God no. If you're waiting for a spiritual experience, you don't have to. Just read the freedom model. Understand that you're totally capable of change, just like any other change in your life, and uh, and you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: For those who may be new to the podcast, we're gonna. I'm just gonna let you know that for listeners of our podcast, you can get our book, a digital copy of our book. Um, on your mobile device by going to thefreedommodel.org. Choose the Freedom Model for Addictions book or the Freedom Model for the Family book. And at checkout, enter coupon code FREEDOM100. And you can have that for free. That's the the digital version. If you want the audio book, you can purchase that on our website as well. Um, Or through Amazon or Audible. I know it's on Audible or one of the other I think um Apple Books. Yep. Um so yeah, just you know, read our book. There's no spiritual component to it. You can solve your problem. That's right. All right, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Take care.